WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. My name's John Paul, the car doctor, here to help you with all your car problems and... um, you know, it still is winter. You may be fooled into it. It's a sunny day today. Temperatures are in the 30s. Seems like a nice day. But uh, winter driving can be dangerous. And, you know, especially for, how can we put this, senior drivers like me, uh, who face actually the second highest mortality rate among all age groups when they're behind the wheel. And, um, at AAA, we've looked into this before. We've talked about this before. And scientists have certainly demonstrated that um, senior uh, driving crashes are related to slowing down of how we think and how we look and how we scan. And with us on the phone is uh, Dr. Henry Monka. He is a neuroscientist, and he is the CEO of uh, Posit Science, and he developed a cognitive brain training program easy for me to say called brain hq uh dr monka thank you for joining us on the car doctor program this morning it's a pleasure to be here this morning and uh, i'm calling you from san francisco and it's a pretty rainy and unsafe day on the roads out here too that's that's what that's what i understand possible flooding coming uh you know i don't know it's a it sounded like it's one one step away from the sharknado movie but um (laughs) (laughs) but but what can we do as we age to try to uh make us a little bit safer behind the wheel you know it's a great question because i think uh you know on the average just about all of us notice as we get older that hey our brain starts to slow down a little bit Maybe our memory doesn't quite pick everything up that it used to. Maybe our attention quite isn't sharp as it used to be. And we notice that in all kinds of situations. But one of the most important parts, as your show is all about, is behind the wheel. And, and that's because the single most important part of safety when you're driving, you know, it's not your hands on the wheel and it's not your foot on the brake. It's your brain taking in all the information that's around you when you're driving. Everything you see, things that you hear a little bit processing that information quickly and accurately, and then making the right decision, sometimes under kind of a high-pressure situation. Your brain is the most important safety part of the car. And so, you know, as we get older, if our brain's not working quite as well as it used to be, that can, uh, that can lead to a lot of trouble behind the wheel. And the brain is like a muscle. You can exercise it, right? That's exactly right. Uh, you know, I'm a neuroscientist. I did a Ph.D. in neuroscience. And... Um, You know, our thinking about how the brain work has changed enormously over the past decades. You know, if if you were to wind back the clock to 1970 and you were to ask any brain scientist, how does the brain work? Every one of them would have said the same thing. They would have said, hey, the brain's like a computer chip, right? It's got wires, it carries electricity, it processes information, sounds like a computer chip. But, of course, one thing we all know about computer chips is, uh, hey, they wear out over time, right? Everyone here has had a a computer that got old and worked that well anymore, and you can't do a lot about it. You've got to buy a new computer. Unfortunately, you know, that idea about the brain, that it was like a computer chip, you know, that led to a lot of wrong ideas uh, that maybe the brain just wore out over time and there was nothing you could do to, to fix it or keep it in shape. 
But, you know, that, that idea has completely been turned on its head. You know, the science that was done in the 80s and the 90s and the early part of the 2000s really just showed everyone that the brain, in fact, is always changing. It's always rewiring itself. It's always rebuilding itself in, in response to what we ask it to do. You know, and that happens when we're a kid. It happens when we're a young adult. And, and it happens when we're an older adult, too. It's just how the brain works. And so that's given us a lot of new viewpoints on, well, hey, if the brain is changing, scientists call that brain plasticity. If the brain's changing and rewiring, you know, maybe there are things we could ask a brain to do that would change it and rewire it so that it had better and stronger brain function as we aged. And maybe that would help with a lot of things, including driving. So how do we do that? How do we, you know, we go, we go to the gym, uh, some of us more than others um and uh, and and we go exercise and we try to get in better shape and we try to lose weight and we try to get our muscles stronger how do we get our brain stronger that's a great question and you know a lot of people think that well it's just about keeping my brain busy right like i do crossword puzzles so the, the, you know it feels like i'm thinking really hard when i'm trying to figure out that word you know is that is that exercising my brain and it turns out it's just a little bit more complicated than that. And driving is a great way to think about it, right? If you think about the challenges that a person has when they're driving, you know, a lot of it is about the speed and the accuracy of how your visual system works. Your brain works on a whole, right? You're driving, you're looking ahead of you, right? You want to keep an eye on the car ahead of you, make sure it doesn't stop suddenly. But, of course, you also have to notice things all across your peripheral vision because something might change really fast, right? car might come into an intersection or, uh, you know, someone might step out into the road. That's all about the speed and accuracy of visual processing. And if you think of things like crosswords, well, you're not, you're not really helping your brain get faster and more accurate, right? You're sitting there thinking of words. And I can tell you, if you're out there driving on the highway, thinking of new words isn't what's going to keep you safe, you know? And so what we've learned through this science of brain plasticity over the past 20 or 30 years now is that you can design very specific computerized brain training exercises that make the brain faster and more accurate. And what's remarkable about them is, hey, not only do you get faster and more accurate when you're sitting on the computer, which you'd kind of expect, you're, you're practicing that, but actually your brain's faster and more accurate in the real world uh, when you're driving as well. And, of course, that's, that's the real benefit that we're looking for as brain scientists and the safe drivers, right? We want to see, hey, we can rewire the brain in a productive way that makes us, uh, makes us safer, makes us, uh, makes us better drivers on the road. And that's really what the science has shown us is possible at this point. And, and, and the science also showed, unlike going to the gym, I go to the gym, you know, three days a week for two years. I, I look like, uh, you know, I don't know, Arnold Schwarzenegger when I'm done. But, like, six months later... I've reverted back to my same habits, and I kind of go back to the way I looked. Um, once your brain has become more exercised and gotten stronger, it sticks for a longer period of time, right? You know, it really does seem to, um, and and that's and that's that's really interesting. You know, like one of the biggest studies that was done was funded by the National Institute of Health, called the Active Study. And they took people and they gave them just 10 hours of speed training. You know, these people did computerized speed training exercises. They did them twice a week for about two months, just about 10 hours total. And that improved their brain processing speed tremendously. And then you could see those improvements were still there two years later, five years later, even 10 years later. Now, they had started to wear off at that point, right? You know, you're not as sharp 10 years after doing this brain training as you were two years or right after. But they did last a long time. 
And a lot of people say, you look at that, like, how, how could that be true, right? You know, I, I, I took French classes two years ago. I don't remember any French. And, and the answer is, you know, the kind of learning that this kind of, uh, these kind of brain training exercises drive in the brain, it's really different. You know, scientists, brain scientists in particular, talk about two kinds of learning. One of them is what's called declarative memory, and that's memory for facts. Like, if you meet me today and you learn my name is Henry, that's a fact. But, you know, our brain's actually not so good at holding on to facts. You might not remember that a year or two ago if we bump into each other. But there's a whole different kind of learning that's called skill learning. And what that is is more like learning to ride a bike. So my daughter, you know, we live in San Francisco. It's pretty hilly, but, uh, but kids live, learn to ride bikes here anyway. So my daughter learned to ride a bike when she was about eight or nine years old. And, you know, she practiced probably for about 10 hours over the course of about two months. You know, we'd go out and we had the pedals off at first, and then we put the pedals back on, and then she learned to turn. And, and you know, at the end of that, she could ride a bike. Now, she wasn't a great bike rider, right? but she could definitely ride a bike. And then she didn't ride that much thereafter because it is San Francisco, I guess. But she could still ride a bike three or four years later. She's in college now. She got on a bike. She could ride it. And she could look at that and say, wow, 10 hours of bike riding training rewired her brain. It rewired how she processed visual information, how she processed balance information. It rewired how she controlled her feet and her hands. And that rewiring is pretty long-lasting in the sense that she still knows how to ride a bike now. So it's just a whole different kind of learning than what most people think of because they think of like school learning. And, and yeah, that learning can last, last a really long time. And that's exciting because what it tells us is um, hey, doing some brain training at the right time you know, can help boost your brain performance in ways that are helpful for all kinds of things, but driving in particular. And, you know, you don't have to do it every day for the rest of your life. You know, you should probably keep at it, and the science show us that coming back and doing some boosters is a good idea. But, um, but you know, what's exciting about it is driving long-lasting changes, exactly like you said. Now, uh, sometime back, you offered a product, I believe, called Drive Sharp, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. And, <laughs> and, and I remember at AAA, at the time, I had some responsibility for our driving school. And our driving school instructors were mostly retirees. They did other things. One, one guy worked at the uh, post office. He taught the postal employees how to drive the little postal trucks. And another guy worked for a utility company, so they did the same thing. So I had them go through th- that program. And I remember oh. ask, and I remember asking one of the instructors, "What do you think?" And he said, "I hate it." And I said, "Why?" And he said, <laughs> "And he said, well, when I'm driving the car prior to going through the whole program, which took I, I, I don't remember what it was. We'll say it was 40 hours or something." And he said, "Prior to going through the program, when I was driving in the rain, I was just driving along. Didn't you know everything seemed fine? Now." I see the windshield wipers going all the way over to the edge of, edge of the windshield, which I never saw before. He said, so, <laughs> so now all of a sudden my peripheral vision is way better than it used to be because now I seem to be scanning side to side where I never was doing that before. So he said, he said, in one way, in one way, he said, you know, I was happy kind of looking through a cone and not really noticing what was going around around me. But now all of a sudden I see a lot more than I did before. And it seems like I'm paying more attention. And um, and that that was one of the I thought that was a really kind of kind of odd response back. But interesting to show how training your brain can actually make some make some changes that all of a sudden you can really you can, you really actually see it not just know that yeah. it's happening yeah 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Few people notice the difference in that way. And, um, and of course, that's because the brain's at the center of everything we do and everything we are. And if you sharpen up your brain, you know, you're going to notice you're perceiving the world in a different way, you know, faster and with sharper details. And, and a lot of people talk about that notion of uh, better peripheral vision and an expanded, uh, expanded field of view. And, uh, you know, the exercises that were, you know, we, we, we did make that product called Drive Sharp that was very focused on driving and had a couple of brain training exercises specifically relevant to driving. And we've kind of rolled that into the program we make now called Brain HQ. Uh, people can go look at it at www.brainhq.com. And those driving exercises are in there. There's a course you can sign up for at Brain HQ called, uh, called Driving Safety, basically. And, uh, and, you know, what, what we did is we worked with scientists who'd been studying for this in their entire career who thought an enormous amount about, hey, what are the specific cognitive abilities that are required for driving? So one of them, of course, exactly is that, which is, hey, your ability to notice things in your peripheral vision. You know, the most common kind of um, crash that particularly an older driver gets into is an intersection collision. Uh, you know, people enter the intersection and they just don't notice that uh, the other light has turned green or someone's about to jump a stop sign or it's not their turn, and they get T-boned right there in the intersection. That kind of uh, crash is actually about 11 times more common in seniors than in, uh, than in younger adults. And that's because exactly what you said is happening. And as we get older, our brains are starting to slow down. Our attention's not quite as sharp as it used to be. And uh, you, you read the drive sharp uh, and the brain training uh, uh, science. I could hear that because you talked about that cone of vision. And so one thing that happens is, is, particularly as we get older, is you know people are good at noticing what's right in front of them, but they become almost blind to what's in their peripheral vision. You know, how, how often have you heard someone say, well, it, you know, it just came out of nowhere? Well, you know, it didn't really come out of nowhere, did it, right? You know, that visual information hit your eye. It was sent up to your brain because your brain's speed wasn't as fast as it used to be because your brain's attention wasn't working as well. Your brain just didn't process that information, and then maybe you went into the intersection and then had some troubles as a result. And so by doing these brain training exercises um, and, you know, expanding that useful field of view, getting sharper and faster, particularly in your peripheral vision, you know, you do notice all kinds of things. I um I talked to a Brain HQ user uh, just a little while ago, actually, and, and she wasn't driving, but she was on the opposite end of driving. She was a pedestrian, and she said, uh, you know, one thing that happened to me recently is I was about to step off the curb into the intersection, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw that a car was coming along the street, and I stopped, and I stopped my husband also, and that car just zipped on right on by. And, you know, that's because, she said, you know, I had that sharper peripheral vision, and I noticed things right out there. So it's, uh, it, uh, it can really change kind of how you experience the world in a positive way. And, the uh, you know, going back to the older product, this wasn't like a kid's video game. This was a very simple, um, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't complicated. People don't need to think that they're going to be in a pretend car or something and they need some <laughs> of, of fancy equipment. It is, it, is a, it is a very simple to use pr- uh, training program, right? Yeah, that's exactly right, and um, and it's important to kind of call out both those things as you did. You know, uh, the brain training exercises in Brain HQ for driving, Drive Sharp at the time, as you remember, you know, it's not a driving simulator. You're not you're not getting into a pretend car. You know, it doesn't. You know, it's not it's not really supposed to look like you're driving. You're not practicing navigating through the streets. Right, um, you are making your brain faster and more accurate. And the way, uh, maybe I should describe how one of these exercises works. 
For the one that's really focused on expanding your useful field of view and making you sharper in your peripheral vision, you know, what you do is you're looking at your computer screen, and in the center of your computer screen, you're going to see very briefly a little image appear, and it might be a car or a truck. And if you're looking at it, right at it, it's not that hard to tell, is it a car or a truck? But we, what we also do is at the same time you're looking at the center of your screen, you also have to kind of split your attention, and you have to be able to notice where in your peripheral vision does a road sign appear. You know, it might appear at the 1 o'clock position or the 4 o'clock position or the 7 o'clock or what have you. And you've got to do both those things at the same time. Now, if we left that image up on your screen for 10 seconds, you could do it easily. Anyone could do it easily, right? You look in the center, yep. car or truck, look around the edge, where's the sign, boom, you're done. But what we, of course, want to do is make your brain faster. So the first time you do it, that image is up on the screen nice and slow. You can do it. But when you get it right, it's a computerized brain training exercise. It gets a little bit faster. It tries to push you to be a little bit faster. And, in fact, as you keep getting it right, it'll keep getting faster until it reaches what scientists call your threshold. So the first time you get it wrong, the computerized brain training exercises says, well, maybe I've made it a little bit too hard. I'm going to back it off. I'm going to make it a little slower right now. Then you can get it right again. I'll make it harder. Maybe you get it right. Make it harder. Then you get it wrong. So it bounces around the level of performance that's exactly right for your unique brain. And that's what really helps drive the changes in your brain. You know, if you're doing something that's too hard, well, your brain's not going to rewire. It can't really get a handle on how to do it, right? On the other hand, if you're doing something that's too easy, your brain doesn't need to rewire itself. Your brain's like, look, I have adequate performance to do this task. So part of the art for building effective brain training exercises is, um, is that they are adaptive in that way. And then when you do them, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a different difficulty than when your friend or your spouse or your brother does them. You know, everyone kind of finds their own path through it. And so, you know, what makes it different than a driving simulator is it's training these fundamental aspects of brain performance. What makes it different than crossword puzzles is it's training speed and accuracy in ways that are really relevant to driving safety. And, of course, what makes it different than a video game, you know, maybe you played Tetris or, I don't know, maybe you played Call of Duty. You know, video games are fun, but they're not adaptive in the way that's going to rewire the brain in a systematic way, and they're not really training the right abilities necessarily. So that you typically just get better at the video game, but you're not really going to get better at real-world performance the way, these, uh, the way these brain training exercises have shown. And that's really what it's all about. It's really about, you know, I think no one really... You know, people plan to go on vacation. They plan their retirement. They plan to see if they have enough money in the bank so they can retire. But no one really ever plans to give up driving. And by doing these kind of exercises, you can extend that time behind the wheel and be a better, competent driver for a longer period of time, right? Yeah, I was actually uh, involved specifically on a study of uh, what scientists call driving cessation and what the rest of us would call giving up the car keys. And, you know, what we showed on that study with uh, some wonderful academic collaborators from the University of South Florida actually was um, that, hey, people who do these brain training exercises, and again, just 10 to 18 hours of brain training, that they're about 40% less likely to give up the keys over the next three years. And what does that tell us? Well, you know, why does someone ask to give up their car keys or choose to give up their car keys? Well, typically because either they or, or frankly, really often someone in their family just starts to feel like their driving is too dangerous. Now, maybe they haven't had a crash yet, right? But maybe, hey, just one too many times they blew through a stop sign, right? Or one too many times they took a turn and they went over the curb, right? 
And, and you know, those, those risk factors are kind of piling up. But, you know, why does that happen, right? Well, like we talked about, it's not because the brakes don't work. And it's not because the steering wheel doesn't work. You know, it's because your brain is, is slowing down in that way. And it turns out that by using these, uh, these brain training exercises, these speed training exercises, you know, we can make the brain faster. And then, and then people uh, are more comfortable driving safely. And as a result, they can keep driving. And, in fact, sometimes when I talk about this, people are like, well, is it good that they've kept driving? Maybe they're more dangerous on the road, right? Maybe they should have given up their keys. But we've also seen it in, uh, in related studies that people are about 48% less likely to have an at-fault crash as a result of this. So they're seeing that thing in their peripheral vision before they enter the intersection. Um, and that's keeping them safe. So we're helping people stay safe and drive longer. And that's incredibly important for all kinds of reasons. You know, this is America. We like to drive. But not only do we like to drive, it's important that we drive. You know, if you look at the average when people stop driving as they get older, you know, all kinds of things change, right? They, they have fewer social interactions. They don't go to see their friends or their family as much. The quality of their diet actually gets worse because they're not able to go out to eat or go to the grocery as often. And, in fact, overall, their health declines as a result of not being able to drive. And, of course, it's a huge risk factor then for leaving, uh, leaving your home and, uh, and then moving into, uh, moving into assisted living. And most people want to keep living independently in their home as long as possible. So, you know, that shows us how important driving is. <laughs> That's why yeah, this is a great yeah. show. No, I, I mean, and shows us how important brain health is for driving. It's all tied together in this important way. I mean, what you just said, you know, in summary was the longer you drive, the longer you're going to live. Yeah, no, I, I I think that's really true. And, yeah, uh, and yeah. Brain health science yeah. Into it. If now, you know, I, going uh, I, going on your Brain HQ website, there's some free stuff you can try. But but it is sort of a subscription based service. And if people are listening from you know whether they want to do it independently or you know they're respond they're you know maybe they're a member of a council on aging or you know uh, I don't know an Elks Club or a VFW and they want to get together and try to get people to do this. Is there programs where you know, associations, libraries, and so forth can take advantage of this and kind of do it as a as a, a group offering. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I when I joined the company, I was the first employee. What the scientific founder, Dr. Michael Mersnick, who had discovered brain plasticity, told me was, um, hey, "It's our mission to get this science out of the lab and to help as many people across the world as possible." So we got lots of ways we want to make that happen. So you're right. People can come to www.brainhq.com. You can register for free. You can try one exercise per day and kind of see if it's for you. Uh, and then it's a subscription service after that, and we make it as inexpensive as we can while keeping the lights on. So it's $8 a month when people buy an annual membership. Um, but there are a lot of other ways to get it, too, at no cost. Uh, Brain HQ is available in quite a few libraries. So call your local library. You might be able to check it out, just like an electronic book. Brain HQ is actually available through a lot of Medicare Advantage plans now. So call, if you are an MA member, a Medicare Advantage member, and some people are and some people aren't, but if you are, call your plan. You might be able to get a free copy of Brain HQ, just like your plan might give you a free gym membership. Uh, and, hey, if you are a senior community or an Elks Club, you know, go to www.brainhq.com and drop us a note. What we have actually been building out is brain health classes that people can join online or that communities can actually offer themselves in person so people can get together, learn about brain health, including other things like diet and exercise and sleep, but also learning how to use Brain HQ. And, you know, do it in a social environment where people can yeah, get together yeah. and enjoy some company and do it together. So, you know, what I really want to see, John, and I want to see a world where 
we are thinking about maintaining and building our brain health and our cognitive performance in the same way that we're thinking about maintaining and building our physical fitness and our physical our physical health. You know, a lot of people you know, they think about their health as like starting from the neck down, right? They think of their heart, they think of their lungs, maybe they think of their liver or their stomach. But hey, the brain is a part of your body as well. And we got to think about brain health as well. So the world we want to see is where, hey, everyone has the tools they need to take care of all their health, including their brain health, uh, throughout their life. And then as a result, they're living their best life because brain yeah. health is no, so no. important. It makes sense. And and I'll just throw this out there and be careful with this. Uh, Valentine's Day is coming up. Maybe you want to buy a gift card. <laughs> You know, we have a great way now that uh, you can do it with someone you love. Uh, you can buy two memberships for sure. And um, and then actually uh, you can kind of, uh, you know, ping each other in the, in the near future. So that when I train, um, you know, he sends a little message to someone I'm training with and says, hey, Henry's taking care of their brain. Why don't you, uh, why don't you take care of your brain too? Hey, kind of like ping pong back and forth. Yeah. So. Hey, hey, Henry, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Sunday morning, getting up a little bit early out in the West Coast and joining us on the Car Doctor program. Hey, thanks for having me on. It is uh, great to, to uh, that you've had this experience with Brain HQ and brain training over your AAA career and, uh, you know, had some people who've really benefited the program. I'm always just thrilled to hear about how the science is getting out of the world and, uh, and touches people's lives. So thanks for reaching out to have me on. All right. Take care now and have a great rest of the day. Yeah, we need right, to take I'm a break. The yeah, we need to we need to take a break and pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is a car doctor program, and if all things go correctly, we'll be talking to George Kennedy coming up next. My name is John Paul. This is the car doctor program. You're listening ninety five nine WATD. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com join. Hello, I'm Patrick Tutwiler, Massachusetts Secretary of Education. The COVID-19 pandemic disrupted a lot of routines, including the habit of attending school every day. Even now, students are missing more days of school than before. But school can be a place to heal and grow, to be with friends, to have the support of a whole team of adults. Let's work together to make attendance a priority. School is where kids belong. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. This is my time. Hey guys, it's Lexi James. And we're Cryer Creek. Twilight Showcase Radio, hosted by Sandy Stride and Keith James. Tune into Twilight Showcase Radio Sundays on 95.9 WATD and 95.9 WATD.com. Search for Twilight Showcase on Facebook. And visit twilightshowcase.org. Twilight Showcase. Tonight from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program on 95.9 WATD. Um, I was kind of joking about this and somebody took it too seriously. Uh, I said... um, you know, maybe I should try harder. I was listed in the top 70 podcasts you should listen to for 2024, and I was number 11. So, um, yeah, maybe I should just try harder and try to get in the top 10. Jesse's actually going to give me advice on, on how to do better. 
I can't give you advice on cars, so we'll trade, okay? Yeah, well, you know, you can give me advice on how to how to get how to get you know up to the top ten instead of being in the top eleven. So, hey, um, next <laughs> try for greatness there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, one more spot will do it. Yeah, next Saturday, by the way, um, uh, AAA is back with their travel marketplace. Travel marketplace. We always used to do the program from Travel Marketplace. It was at Gillette Stadium. This time it's a little bit different. It's still at Patriot Place, but it's uh, going to be uh, next Saturday from 10 to 5 at the Renaissance Boston Patriot Place Hotel. Uh, you just need to register. Uh, vacations as low as $385 a person, all the latest cruises, all kinds of fun stuff going on. Uh, but register to Travel Marketplace. You can go to AAA.com, look for Travel Marketplace, and figure out how to register and uh, get your name in, and there you go. You can get, you can get up to four attendees and uh, with one registration, so go down. Spend, spend the day, go, I don't know, go over to... Uh, uh, I don't know. Hang out, hang out at Patriot Place afterwards. Go do fun Patriot Place stuff, whatever that's going to be. Um, like I said, our buddy George Kennedy is on the phone with us. George, good morning. Hey, John. Uh, sounds like we got to get your numbers up. I know, I know. I'm number eleven. I got to get up to number ten. You know, got to move get up. Those single digits, man. Yeah, Absolutely. I, yeah. So, so, uh, and I think this will be it. I think having you on the program, you know, I'll I'll repost this show a little bit later today, and that's going to bump it right up. And uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, ideally, you're going to see a dip. You'll connect it directly <laughs> to whenever I call it. <laughs> well, you know, I, th- I I really appreciate it because you know it's not often I have people come back on the program again because you know usually that first experience is enough where they don't want to come back. So. <laughs> So this this is this is I'm surprised you had me back after I went on my uh, Cape Cod bar pizza rant. So I appreciate that. Well, that is always worth talking about. You know the uh, uh, you know for people for people who don't know what we're talking about, South Shore Bar Pizza. Hey Jesse, are you a South Shore Bar Pizza guy? Are you? I mean, you own a pizza shop after all. Yeah, that's not bar pizza though. But I do uh, I do fancy a, a good old fashioned bar pizza. So yes, well, I would say yes, absolutely. All right. So yeah. So see, we have a pizza expert and a critique uh, and a, and somebody who critiques pizza on the, on, you know, with us now. Well, so, I have my own know. Udi pizza oven. I've been getting into making my own dough and sauce and stuff. So so we should talk. But I live in Rhode Island now, and I have a new pizza to hate. Um, <laughs> it's the uh, like the cheeseless party pizza. All the all the the pizza strips. Yeah, and, and to, yeah. anytime I get in an argument with anybody down here about it, I go, guess what? Any pizza that you can buy wrapped up in cellophane at the checkout counter at a Seven Eleven is not pizza. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and 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 I I will that that party pizza stuff. Uh, you know, it 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 goes over pretty well, but yeah, it is not it is not my idea of pizza. I think you know, go over to I don't know, Pizza Pyre. I think makes a good pizza if you like if you like fifty different kinds of crust and all that sort of stuff. They're up on Wickenden Street. Uh, yeah, more tr- more traditional pizza. I think it's Pataka House Pizza. Um, Twins makes a pretty decent pizza in, in Rhode Island. You know, those are my those are my Rhode Island. And I know there's that uh, place up on Federal Hill. Everyone loves. I don't think the pizza is that good, but you know. What Antonio's? You don't like uh, Antonio's? Not that not that big a fan. Nope. Well, I went to UMass Amherst, and the original Antonio's is there, and I was very wonderfully surprised to find that there are now three Antonio's within, like, a five-minute drive of me, including the one on, on College Hill, because I live right up the street from Brown. So there's that one. 
There's a one in Pawtucket, and they're putting a new uh, one in down in Fox Point. So I love that pizza. They've got 30-something different flavors. You can get totally the impesto on a pizza. You can get chicken bacon ranch. So, uh, yeah, we just gave them some free those, 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 Honestly, those are things that don't belong on pizza. Pesto doesn't belong on pizza. Chicken bacon ranch. Uh, you got you to expand yeah. your horizon. I, I know. I, I know. But you got uh, to try the pesto before you really? before you declare yeah. that it doesn't belong uh, on pizza. All right. Okay. That's, all right. That's right. See, see, Jesse can't help me with car questions, but but we can talk pizza. Yeah, there's talk pizza. Yeah, and ghosts. We'll just start a new offshoot show. So talking pies. Yeah, uh, there's a podcast in the making, waiting to happen. You know, I I do have I do have a Facebook page called. Uh, Social Bar Pizza, not to be confused with the Social Bar Pizza Social Club, which is another Facebook page. And that Facebook page actually does better than my regular Facebook page, and I do zero to it. So, I, you know, social media is a weird thing. It goes to show you the <laughs> attribution, man. Yeah, yeah, it, it, is, it is. Social media is just a weird thing. But, but anyway, we didn't have you here. Well, maybe we did have you here to talk about pizza, but uh, and you know, heaven forbid, we should not talk about you know South Shore roast beef, but you know, I mean North Shore beef, but North Shore uh, roast beef, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, and their try sauce thing, whatever it's, it is. It's called the three way. The three way, right, yeah. please. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to explain it to somebody where I am right now, and I didn't do a good job, and they didn't understand it, but. Um, you know, I'm in I'm in a I'm in a weird land here. So this is yeah, yeah, pilgrimage yeah. in a holy land of our pizza. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, but uh, more importantly, what have you been driving lately? So this week I've been driving the all new accurate TLX Type S, um, and it's been interesting because earlier in the summer I drove the all new Integra Type S. So to get a sense of like that being the Acura equivalent to the Honda. Civic Type R. So you're talking about like even for an Acura, which is kind of a comfort associated brand with a touch of athleticism, a very focused car. So like that, that Integra had a stiff suspension, had a really wonderful manual gearbox. Um, and the TLX is, if you find that vehicle, that Acura, to, that Integra to be a little too stiff for your daily commute, the TLX is a really nice compromise. So it's got a twin turbo V6 that makes 355 horsepower. It comes in this really cool, like, um, battleship gray. You can get it with, like, carbon fiber uh, wings and stuff like that, red brake calipers, quad exhaust tips. But it's a car that you'd be totally comfortable, you know, sitting in bumper-to-bumper traffic, and you're not going to, you know, you know, store out your posterior. Now, the TLX, do you have to get it with the carbon fiber trim and the red brake calipers and all that? Can you have it more as no, a so it, little it, bit stealthier kind of vehicle? The standard TLX comes with a turbocharged uh, four-cylinder engine, uh, and that's closer to $45,000. And in that, guys, it it is a nice balance of performance and comfort. I think Acura does a really good job of having, even in its SUVs, a car that will soak up bumps in the road but is also pretty direct and responsive when it comes to steering feedback. So you can kind of... If you're sitting in traffic, you can be fine like that. But if you want to get off the main road and car up a back road, you can you can do that too, and it'll be a rewarding drive. Yeah, I remember the last time I drove the the Hot Rod Civic, the Civic R. It, it was it was fun to drive, but I just felt way too old in it. Um, 
You know, I felt like I, I felt like I borrowed my nephew's car, you know, and had to go to, you know, had to go to Home Depot in it or something. It was, it just, it just, it, it, it just didn't feel right. And the idea that you can get sort of a midsize sedan that's fun to drive and comfortable to drive, but like you said, it you can, you know, tear up a twisty two lane somewhere and feel confident doing it. And especially at a time when so many manufacturers are just focusing on SUVs and not on sedans. That's right. That was one of the first things that I that occurred to me while I was driving it, and that I was like, wow, Acura makes a great sedan. And you're right. So a lot of the manufacturers have been focusing on SUVs, A, they're popular vehicles, but B, there's they have better margins on a lot of those vehicles, so they are incentivized to build them. So there's almost a, you could argue, a disassociation between what the market desires and what they're making their best money on. And you can see that in brands like Ford, who have basically given up making cars, um, and they're even getting away from the uh, Ford Escape small SUV because they're going to replace that with a with an electric uh, SUV. We'll see what that what that bears for them in terms of any success. But yeah, being in this car it reminds you that they make great sedans, and having a sedan is is great in terms of you know me living in Providence and you know parking spaces are not always the same size, and so I'm like oh you know you go to park at the gym and i'm like oh i can actually open the door all the way this is fantastic and the and again the idea of sedans i think are great um you touched you you mentioned you know an electric suv you know you're kind of an observer of the industry and i mean there's been a lot of negative press about uh electric vehicles lately but still in certain places one out of ten new vehicles are, are evs um you know, I think the news that Hertz returned 20,000 Teslas or whatever it was, um, I think was really taken out of context because they also probably returned 20,000 Mazdas that week as well, and nobody nobody really cared. But they, yeah, um, that's, not, that's not a sexy yeah. headline, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but the I, I think the, the headline that nobody had was um, they returned 20,000 Teslas and didn't replace them with EVs is more of the headline because... Frankly, I mean, based on from my experience, what I've heard, you know, part of the problem is people are driving out of range and people are getting flat tires and there's not an EV on the planet that has a spare. So it becomes more of a more of a hassle for a rental car company when their vehicles don't have spare tires and people don't understand that there's not uh, an EV charging station around every corner like there is a gas station. But um, overall, where do you think the EV market is going to go? And I'll preface that by saying i think as all the manufacturers were saying oh yeah this is where we're going to go this is where we're going to go the government wants us to do this i think that was more of a result of saying we'll give it a try but if it doesn't work it ain't going to work we're going to go to hybrids or we're going to go to something else what do you think yeah so there are a few things to unpack there one i fall very on the middle um trying to hear what the reality is of consumer demand versus what investors want um i think with the Ford and GM push for EVs, I, if I'm being honest, I feel that it was a very cynical reaction on the part of stakeholders to try and get their stock value to closer to that of Tesla. You know, maybe they're, they know somebody on the board at, you know, with Tesla stock, and they're like, well, why don't, why doesn't my Ford stock have that same value? And the, the thing that people don't recognize is that for a while, Tesla was building in one year what Ford built on a Friday. And that's changed, but but part of it, too, is Tesla is a consumer electronics company that happens to build vehicles. 
Ford is an automaker, Chevy's an automaker, and building cars is hard. So it's almost like you have to treat that stock value more like U.S. Steel than 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 Yahoo, right? And so when it comes to the Hertz thing, thing that we've been seeing is that EVs, despite the claims of, and once again, I fall very in the middle. I'm just sort of reporting what the the realities are. A lot. One of the talking points was the how there was very little maintenance required. One thing they didn't see coming is the quickness with which tires needed to be replaced. And we're hearing 5,000 miles for some. Part of that is is operator use. If you're, you know, peeling out because your car has quick acceleration, that's one thing. But another part of it is that because of the weight of the vehicle, because of the unique handling dynamics of that vehicle, the tires are wearing in unique ways that I'm not sure tire manufacturers were 100% ready for. But that comes with the territory of an emerging technology where you don't have the data yet. Um, as it, as you know, in, in sort of in conclusion, my my take is that there was a quick push, whether that was from a reaction to stock prices or a reaction to government incentives, a quick push to get stuff into the market. There was a a bit of blue water, and every automaker basically came out with an EV to say we want to capture a little bit of that. Well, that piece has been captured. And it's going to be a very slow, organic growth, which I think makes the most sense because that is the, the one that will not oversaturate the charging infrastructure. The charging infrastructure needs to grow. It, that's, that's brick and mortar. That's boots on the ground. That takes a decade. The growth of the market, while not as fast as it's been in the, in the past five years, is going to continue to grow, just not as quickly. And where I think there's an opportunity, and General Motors came out with this announcement, is plug-in hybrids, which I think you and I have talked about a lot. Plug-in hybrids and electric vehicle owners sometimes will deride plug-in hybrids because they're like, well, it's overcomplicated, it's an inefficient holdover. But the reality is, if you want EVs to get to that inflection point where, where they have mass appeal, you need to get a bunch of people who are buying a vehicle that it's not a necessity to plug in, but it's a skill set that they're going to learn over the lifetime of the vehicle. And it it offers a certain amount of convenience for people who, you know, are still a little bit puzzled over hybrids, plug-in hybrids, and battery electric vehicles. You know, I've driven, a, you know, just about every plug-in hybrid available, and I plug it into the same outlet that I plug in anything else outside in my house, and it makes it for easy and not necessarily quick recharging, but if I use up, you know, the 40 miles of range or whatever is in the battery, it, you know, I get it up in the morning and it has another 40 miles of range. And all I've done is plug in a regular 110-volt outlet. Um, you know, in the two places I live, my little tiny cottage and this tin shack that I'm living in now, both of them would be a little bit pressed to put a 40-amp or 50-amp 240-volt outlet on the outside of the house. My electrical service just won't support that. So for me to have a plug-in hybrid that I can plug in, and if I go 100, 200, 500 miles that day, there's a gas station in every corner and it can fill up. So it makes it, it gives you really the best of both worlds. And isn't right now, as much as, you know, some people are like, well, they're forcing electric vehicles down our throats, they're doing this, they're doing that, whoever they are. Um, but isn't this really the golden age of the automobile where you can still go out and buy a, you know, you can go out and buy that, uh, you know, Ford Mustang Black Horse or whatever it's called that's 500 horsepower, or you can go out and you can buy a, you know, uh, an electric car or a hybrid or, I don't know, you can still you can still 
find a diesel here and there. So yes and no, and that is that you can go out and get any, you know, you can go buy a, a, a Challenger Hellcat for now, uh, for now, and you can get a Demon with 900 horsepower. You know, you're buying supercar performance for, you know, Mustang prices. But once again, I think the only downside is right now, I think for many Americans, cars are prohibitively expensive. And part of that comes to the fact that a lot of automakers have abandoned the most affordable vehicles in their lineup. Honda got rid of the Fit, which is a phenomenal vehicle, which is very affordable. Um, Kia is phasing out the Rio. That's another fantastic affordable car. So new cars are getting expensive, and it's not just that they're getting expensive, inflation, et cetera. It's more that automakers are cutting the most affordable vehicles from their lineup because it's not a profit center for them. Yeah. I, I had uh, Kyle Brower on from... I see cars, formerly Kelly Blue Book, I think he was with. And, yeah, I, um, I love yeah, Carl. Yeah, He's yeah. And uh, he described it as a giant rubber band that's stretching. And, you know, at each end of the rubber band is, a, you know, or, you know, there's an auto manufacturer at one end and the consumer at the other end. And it's about ready to snap where the consumer says, I can't pay $57,000 for a new car. It's just too expensive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're seeing it in the fact that, you know, through various studies, perhaps I may have seen this through IC cars as well, that the length of ownership is going up. Um, I mean, that happens every year. It, you know, that's part of the fact, part of the fact that vehicles are more reliable. Part of the fact that, you know, you're starting to see the fruit being bared from those uh, very generous maintenance programs that some automakers offer. Um you know, when you lease a vehicle now, it comes with complimentary maintenance. Not because they want to make you happy. It's because they don't want a car back that hasn't had an oil change in 50,000 miles. Right. You know? Right. But but as a result of that, the cars are in better shape and at higher miles. The engineering's gotten better. Um, the vehicles are lasting longer. But the other side of that is folks just don't want to go out and drop that money down right now. If they have a vehicle that works, then they're going to keep it, and they should. And by the way, the flip side of that is we're talking EVs here. We're talking sustainability. The most sustainable thing that you can do is drive the car you're already driving. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people people think of, you know, well, I want to reduce my carbon footprint. I'm going to go out and buy, a, you know, buy a Tesla or whatever the case is. And, in fact, if you look at all of that, and I remember having, I forget her exact title, but she was like, I don't know, vice president of sustainability for Ford. And she said, yeah, you know, if you go out and buy a Mustang EV, which should just be called a Marquee and not a Mustang, but that's personal opinion. Um, she said, you know, it's going to take, you know, the what went into it, it's going to take seven years before we, you know, kind of have that carbon offset on that particular vehicle. So just going out and buying that new car and saying, hey, hey, I'm so much greener and cleaner now, isn't really true unless you keep that car for seven or eight years, and then it, then you start to see the positive side of it. Yeah, I mean, there's what, what's interesting is that there is a long-term benefit, but you kind of have to amortize, like, the costs that go into it to, to make that all make sense. And, by the way, the same folks that are, that are doing that kind of math with their own personal finances are the same kind of people who are in position to purchase one of these vehicles, right? Right. Um, the other side of that, the whole Mustang name, they gave a they gave the Mustang name to a rebodied Ford Pinto. So, you know, you say what you want about your heroes. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Again, they should have just called it a Maki. That would have sounded cooler. It would have been better. I don't. That's, that's just me. But uh, you know, what, what but you know, what we're talking about it. And I, my dad, who's not like the biggest car guy, would bring that up to me. I go, guess what, Dad? We're talking about it right now. Yeah, so they, they, they accomplished what they were thought out to do. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Hey, if people want to find out more information about you, see what you've been up to uh, besides uh, uh, being on this program, you can also find eating pizza. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> eating pizza. You know, besides going to uh, Antonio's uh, in uh, in Providence and happen to run into you there, uh, where else can where else can people find out uh, more information about what you've been doing lately? Sure. So my work can be found on uh, on Car Gurus uh, and U.S. News and World Report. Uh, you can also go to the Lars Anderson website, uh, the Lars Anderson Auto Museum. And on the left rail, there's a magazine called Upshift. I'm the editor-in-chief of that. And that is a quarterly publication that covers a lot of really cool stuff in the collector car and enthusiast car world in uh, eastern Massachusetts. And uh, it's the beginning of February of 2024, and uh, you know, car stuff is a little bit quiet right now. Anything, anything you know of off the top of your head going on at Lars Anderson? Yes. Yeah, so I, I do believe they. Well, first of all, I know that they do a bunch of really cool talks throughout the winter. So just because it's too cold to have cars out on the lawn, they have been doing a great. Uh, program with our education manager putting together some talks by some really cool people um, folks who have driven a Cadillac across you know the Asian steppes uh, folks who have entered their vehicles in the Mila Miglia race um, a lot of really cool voices from the collector car world so go to their website look up uh, community events and you'll see some stuff going on uh, you know talking about stuff going on in uh, this time of year you and I are doing winter vehicle testing next week too well you are Oh, well, I am. Excuse me. Yeah, so. you are. You are. But, yeah, uh, so, you I, know, always looking at winter vehicles. That's right. Winter, winter vehicles, and that's what the New England Motor Press Association, which you are the vice president of, uh, getting together, you know, yearly to, and, you know, and kind of evaluate how winter is, you know, a, you know, how we look at winter and vehicles and which ones work the best. Uh, we've been doing that for a lot of years. We give out awards uh, usually sometime uh, later in the year. And uh, it really shows, you know, you know, New England's known for a lot of things besides uh, roast beef subs and, and bar pizza. It's also known for winter. So Well, you got to be able to get there in three feet of snow. You need the right vehicle for that. Um, one of the things that I tell people, and that is, you know, somebody who comes from, say, Florida might think like, oh, it's got to be a big vehicle with a lift and big tires. But in reality, our friend Craig Fitzgerald put it best. He goes, you want a vehicle that has the attributes that will successfully get you through winter, but don't detract from its usability the rest of the year. It absolutely makes sense when you think of it. And every time I see a car with an Alaska plate on it, it's never, it's never a jacked-up SUV. No, it's quite often a Subaru Outback. Um, yeah. And then there's also the what I call the holy trinity of uh, winter vehicle features, which is heated seats, heated steering wheel, and remote start. And I think this year I have to add a uh, another one to that, and that is I recently drove the Honda Passport Trail Sport, which has a heating element in the bottom of the front windshield so as to make sure that the windshield wipers do not freeze to the windshield. Well, then you have to get into the whole wiper up, wiper down thing for winter time, and it becomes I'm too much too much guy. of an argument. Yeah, I'm a wiper <laughs> down. Show, so there you go, there you go. 
Hey, hey, George, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Sunday morning and join us on the Car Doctor program. Oh, it's a pleasure as always. Come back anytime. We need to take a break, Thanks pay a some bills. That was George. That was George Kennedy, auto writer, and uh, you know, observer of the industry. Like like Jesse observes the weather. George observes the automotive industry. Why don't we take a quick break? My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. You'll see on ninety five nine WATD. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. The President's Day sales event is going on right now at Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram on Route 139 in Marshfield. Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is one of the largest dealerships of its kind in New England, featuring an incredible inventory, a brand-new Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe, the official vehicle of winter. Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is accessible from all across the South Shore, just off Route 3 at the new Exit 27. Quirk works to save you money. Quirk works for you. Visit QuirkChryslerDodgeJeepRam.com. Talk Radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night, after the 6 o'clock news, here on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the Car Doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the Car Doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program. And remember, if you want to do something fun next Saturday, go to the AAA Travel Marketplace at the hotel over at Patriot Place. You can go to, uh, you know, go see what there is for cruises, vacations. Uh, you know, seems like people are traveling a lot more in the past year than they did prior to, you know, when COVID hit. So go check it out. Go check out Travel Marketplace. Uh, it's just going to be the one day. It's just going to be that Saturday. Uh, so go on AAA's website. Just search Travel Marketplace. You can register. Uh, and you're good to go. So uh, fun fun thing to try to do and uh, check it out and find out what's going on. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking to Brian Loans. Brian Loans is, and we just have one guest scheduled for next week. I, I need to explain that uh, we didn't plan on two guests this week or two guests last week, and I apologize for people who want to call in and ask their car questions. You can always email me, uh, jpaul at aaanortheast.com and I'm happy to always answer email questions. I try to answer every single one that comes in um, but uh, it just turned out that uh, we had uh, we had tentatively a schedule going on for this week and then uh, I wasn't sure that uh, um, that our doctor friend Henry Amonko was going to be available or not. So I kind of put out a, a message to the New England Motor Press Association folks. George said, I'd be happy to, you know, come and join you. And then he said that, and then I got a confirmation. So that's why we ended up with two people. And that was kind of what happened last week as well. So uh, it just seems in my life lately, I've had, uh, I've everything has to be done a couple of times. And uh, my personal life, same thing. It's, uh, I don't know. Uh, 
We had I had uh, I had problems with uh, an ATM card this week that turned into its own little disaster. It's just weird little stuff that just keeps on going on. So, um, but anyway, if you have a question about your car, send me an email, jpaul at aaanortheast.com, or you can go to uh, aaa.com slash car doctor. There's a place there where you can ask a question. Always happy to answer car questions to the best of my ability, uh, whether it's new cars, used cars, you know, questions about software. I had I had a, a question that um, Mark from uh, the Boston Herald, who uh, he, he's sort of the auto writer, but he's got a lot bigger job at the company that owns the Boston Herald. Uh, he's, I think he's actually the CFO. Uh, but he uh, he sent me an email. Somebody has a, uh, a a Genesis. They love their Genesis, but they don't like the traffic system. It doesn't seem to work right. And Mark forwarded it to me. I got back to the guy and said, I'm going to have to look into this. Uh, it's an interesting system because it uses a combination of uh, the dealer said, well, that's a serious XM issue. Not really. It's tied into the infotainment system. And although it I don't think it uses Sirius XM. In fact, there was a separate phone number to call that had nothing to do with Sirius XM. And as good as Genesis vehicles are, they require software updates a lot for their navigation and infotainment systems. And sometimes you need to get a one of those like mini SD cards that you can use, you download information on it. So you go to a website, you download all the information on the mini SD card, and you put it in the car, and hope the battery's in good shape because it can take up to three hours to upload the information from the mini SD card. So it is it is a fussy, fussy thing to do, and I think that's probably part of the problem. Hey, that music means we need to go. I want to thank our, our friend George Kennedy for calling in, uh, Dr. Henry Monka for uh, calling in, and, of course, Jesse for doing everything he does back there, including comment on pizza. Uh, we appreciate that, too. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.